Usually during Christmas time, I like to play my favorite Christmas albums, watch a few Christmas themed episodes of my favorite TV series, and eat until my stomach is about to burst. While this Christmas certainly isn't any different, the pandemic has made me long to know more about Christmas TV history in order to understand how I see Christmas TV history in the present. So this year, I decided to explore more about black representation in Christmas television history. My interest has led me down a rabbit hole of research on Christmas TV. So far, uh, this during this whole Christmas break, I've watched about a hundred Christmas-themed episodes and variety specials, and I've gathered a few pieces of that research so that I could put it together over a series of two episodes. The first one, this one, will be on black representation in the Christmas television variety special, and the second episode will be on Christmas-themed episodes of black sitcoms. These episodes are the first stages of what will be a larger project on black representation in Christmas television. It's actually been a silent dream of mine to teach a class on the cultural and historical influence of Christmas television, so I'm actually very excited to share my thoughts here. As this research is fresh, if I'm missing any huge contextual information or if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter to let me know. I appreciate any thoughts or suggestions y'all might have. And if you like this episode, be sure to share it on your social medias. Christmas has been celebrated as a religious and secular holiday for at least two millennia. If we want to understand Christmas as we know it in American culture, we have to begin in the 19th century with two best-selling British authors, Washington Irving and Charles Dickens. In 1819, Irving's series of stories titled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon depicts the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. The story portrays the traditions of the holiday where people from different classes and social backgrounds come together to share gifts, food, and celebrate ancient traditions. Though Irving's book was not based on any holiday, many historians believe that he invented a Christmas tradition by representing the customs of the holiday season. Similarly, Charles Dickens' 1843 book, A Christmas Carol, made a huge impact on American and British culture. The story of family, goodwill, and compassion made families pay more attention to the emotional needs of children, seeing the holiday as a time where they could spend time and money on their children without appearing to spoil them. During the 1840s, Christmas became a frequently celebrated holiday, and on June 26, 1870, Christmas was declared a federal U.S. holiday. When Christmas became an official holiday, families across America believed they were celebrating old traditions but they were actually reinventing the holiday to meet the needs of the growing American culture in the 19th century. 
The 19th century is also significant due to the legacy of slavery and its afterlives in America. The legal ending of slavery in 1865 is just five years before Christmas is deemed an official holiday. How is it that America at this time is thinking of goodwill, joy, and peace on earth when a whole group of people are being subjected to the brutal and inhumane conditions of slavery? How can a 19th century American celebrate a holiday that is about bonding with family when enslaved people were often separated from their families? And most importantly, what was it like to celebrate Christmas as an enslaved person? And how did they add their own African traditions to this Americanized holiday? In order to explore these questions a little further, I turn to two slave narratives that reveal how enslaved people thought about and celebrated Christmas on the plantation. Christmas was celebrated on the plantation for much of the 19th century. While some enslavers saw Christmas as yet another workday, the holiday, which usually ran for a whole week from December 25th to the new year, was a time when enslaved people were free from work and could travel to visit family and friends. Typically, gifts were exchanged between enslavers and the enslaved, and both black and white people ate a Christmas feast together. Often, the holiday spirit would, according to the site documenting the American South, quote, conjure up visions of freedom and even the opportunity to bring about that freedom. For instance, Harriet Tubman helped her brothers escape during this time, and an enslaved couple by the name of William Craft and Ellen Craft escaped during the holiday as well. As Christmas was used by enslavers to instill in the enslaved their version of Christianity, further relying on religion as a tool for control and to, as the griot puts it, convey the notion that God approved of their condition. Many enslaved people in the South, quote, broke away from the Christian tradition and engaged in festivities with roots in their West African heritage, creating their own Christmas traditions. In Harriet Jacobs' incident in the life of a slave girl, she describes the Junkanus, which was a masked dance tradition coming from West Africa and England as Christmas's greatest attraction. By Jacob's account, the Janicus consisted of a group of about a hundred performers, usually enslaved people from the lower classes. The performers would wear brightly colored materials along with animal headdresses and parts the Junkanists used drums, triangles, and jawbones to perform music they composed the month before. The groups would go from plantation to plantation, singing and begging for money and rum from slave masters and overseers. But the Junkanists was also enjoyed by the children on the plantation, who would wake up early on Christmas Day to watch the group perform. Frederick Douglass offers one of the most famous critiques of Christmas on the plantation in his narrative. Writing about Christmas Day, 1833, Douglas saw Christmas as yet another tool for impression and argued that enslavers used the holiday and granted enslaved people time off from work to ward off the spirit of rebellion. He wrote, They do not give the slaves this time because they would not like to have their work 
during its continuance, but because they know it would be unsafe to deprive them of it. Douglas also explained that enslavers used Christmas to, quote, discuss their slaves of freedom. By Douglas's account, Christmas was used to make enslaved people content with enslavement and to continue to rely on their enslavers. While Christmas was a time enslavers used to maintain dominance over the enslaved, enslaved people also used Christmas as a means of expressing their ongoing physical, psychological, and cultural resistance to slavery. As mentioned earlier, many would plan to escape the plantation around this time, but for those who stayed, resistance was performed through other means. The song and dance traditions performed during Christmas time, like the Jankanus, also serve as acts of resistance, as these traditions were a way enslaved people celebrated their own African traditions, as well as contributed to American culture's reinvention of the holiday. I also speculate that these performances on the plantation were early depictions of Christmas music in America. The 19th century's great influence on Christmas as we know it today is rooted in the traditions created by black people. These cultural and historical traditions created by the enslaved during the legal reign of slavery certainly do follow us well into our present. The Junkanus, for instance, is, quote, a precursor to the modern day performances of black marching bands and the step routines of black fraternities and sororities and could be likened to the tradition of Christmas caroling. In terms of my interest in Christmas TV history, the legacy of slavery and its afterlives are central to the way I think about the representation of Christmas on television and the historical and cultural conditions that allow or don't allow for black people to be seen celebrating Christmas on television. In this episode, I focus on the historical erasure of black musicians in the Christmas Variety Special, and I note how the Black Christmas album is the only kind of black representation during Christmas we get until the 1980s and 90s. So, I want to discuss the influence of the variety special on Christmas TV because they tend to have musical performances that continue to resonate over time throughout popular culture. Some of the earliest Christmas-themed TV content can be dated to the mid-1940s, but by the 1950s, Christmas TV variety specials became more regularly produced and adored by families all across America who gathered in front of the television, which was then a new medium to fill the Christmas spirit right at home. Watching television during Christmas was yet another addition to the American Christmas tradition. These specials featured popular music artists, celebrities, and guests who came together to perform a variety of Christmas-themed musical numbers and sketches. Some big names like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Andy Williams all dominated the Christmas variety special in the 50s and 60s. 
For more expansive history on the Christmas variety special on TV, check out Joanna Wilson's podcast, Christmas TV History, which I'll link in the episode notes. While these specials are a gem to watch, as you might assume during this period and for much of Christmas TV history, white men were the dominant representation on television. With already successful careers in the music, film, and comedy industries, these early television performers gained even more notoriety by appearing on television during the time when Americans are buying the most. Sponsors most likely rushed at the opportunity to book ad slots during the airing of these variety specials, which certainly benefited the pockets of the performers. The year 1957 is a significant year to me in terms of Christmas TV history. It is the year that a Christmas special hosted by two of the top pop stars of the 50s, Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, aired on ABC on December 20th. And it is also the year the last episode of the Nat King Cole show aired on NBC on December 17th, just three days before. The Nat King Cole show starred American singer and jazz pianist Nat King Cole, who is cited as the first African-American musician to host a nationally broadcast musical variety show in the history of television. Before his turn to television, Nat King Cole gained significant fame in 1946 for his version of The Christmas Song, which was a massive hit on the pop and R&B charts of the time. For Cole to have had this large impact on Christmas music in America, it is alarming that he did not have the opportunity to produce a Christmas-themed episode of his show. It is possible the show's lack of sponsors is what kept Cole from producing a Christmas special of his own. Cole famously said that the advertisers were, quote, afraid of the dark. And Marlon Riggs notes in his documentary Color Adjustment that many white audiences weren't comfortable having a black man in their homes on their television sets. These specials tended to be large productions and the small budget the Nat King Cole show was allotted would not have been able to produce a Christmas show. Even though Cole is virtually erased from Christmas TV history, his influence on Christmas music is undeniable. His 1960 Christmas album sold over 6 million copies in the U.S. and in 1963 charted at number one on Billboard's Christmas album chart. His smooth, baritone voice with perfect pitch still warms our hearts every Christmas when we hear Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Okay, y'all know I can't sing. As the Nat King Cole show reveals in the early years of television, black musicians were not given the opportunity to host a Christmas TV variety special. But that doesn't mean they were completely erased from this history. The Christmas album, which I see as adjacent to the, the variety special, is the closest many black musicians got to being a part of Christmas TV history. They refused television's erasure with their contributions to Christmas music. There were a wealth of Christmas albums produced by black musicians, each of them varying in genre and style. In the 50s and 60s, in addition to Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, 
The Supremes, Chuck Berry, Stevie Wonder, and James Brown are some of the names who released Christmas albums. In 1970, the Jackson 5 and the Temptations Christmas albums were released to great success and they continue to be staple sounds we hear during Christmas. By the late 70s, rap artists started to make their staples on Christmas music as well. For instance, Curtis Blow's 1979 Christmas Rappin' was the first rap song released on a major record. Following Christmas Rappin', Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis, a single from their album A Very Special Christmas, was the second rap single to have a Christmas theme. The music video to the song, which aired at the height of the music television era is shots in a similar style and format, I think, of a Christmas variety special. Some of the sets were designed to look like home spaces, which was a common theme in the variety show format. The cameos from their celeb friends and the group's adoptive mother and the group's high energy performance style all capture the true essence of the holiday season and the variety special format. Though some would argue that a music video is not the same as an hour-long variety special due to the conditions that limit black musicians from having their own variety specials, this four-minute music video portraying black urban life during Christmas is the closest we get to black representation in the Christmas TV variety special until the 90s. 1994 is a turning point for black Christmas music. This is the year both R&B artists Luther Vandross and Mariah Carey release successful Christmas albums, but it is Vandross who is the first to have a Christmas special produced and aired on television to promote his album, becoming the first black musician to host a Christmas variety special. Though Carey had to wait until 2010 to make her staple in Christmas television history, the wide success of her album, Merry Christmas, cannot be understated. Despite the negative reviews when the album was first released, in 2020, the album was certified eight times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America and is one of the best-selling Christmas albums of all time. Her single, All I Want for Christmas, is a sounding call for the holiday season. On December 13th, 2010, Mariah Carey, Merry Christmas to You aired on ABC. At this point, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Mariah was the first and only black woman to host a Christmas TV special. Another significant special is A Legendary Christmas with John and Chrissy, starring John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, which aired on November 28th, 2018 on NBC. This is the second ver Christmas variety special hosted by a black man and the first hosted by a woman of Taiwanese descent. And on December 4th, 2020, the Queen of Christmas herself reinvented the Christmas television special with Mariah Carey's magical Christmas special on Apple TV, becoming the first Christmas special on a streaming service hosted by a black woman proving that even a pandemic cannot stop the queen from blessing us during the holidays. I want to wrap up this episode by briefly thinking about the influence and the power of black Christmas music in Christmas TV history. 
As I explained in my discussion of Christmas during slavery, the song and music traditions enslaved black people celebrated and passed down were acts of resistance against the conditions of slavery. And also they were the way black culture was solidified in American Christmas history and culture. As we are never removed from the afterlives of slavery, the invention of television in the 40s and 50s and the production of the Christmas Variety Special sought to erase black performers from the narrative. However, black Christmas music was still a constant during the holiday season, which meant that black voices were still heard even if they were not seen on television. And when we finally get black-hosted Christmas TV variety specials, the legacy of that music lives on. Like black music, these variety specials are acts of resistance themselves as their very existence undoes the complete erasure of black representation in Christmas TV history. As Christmas was once used in this country to deprive black people of freedom, these Christmas albums and these variety specials are culturally and historically significant because they are the embodiment of the traditions created and sustained by enslaved people and their descendants. One of my reasons for doing this episode was out of a desire to understand how to celebrate Christmas during a pandemic. This research has made me realize the importance of recognizing the past as a means to understand the present and the need to repair the violence of historical erasure. I also hope that you will check out some of these specials I've discussed in the episode, which I will put in the show notes along with my references. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at GoBlackBoyGo, and you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and most other streaming platforms. This episode is the beginning stages of a research project that will develop into a larger project. And I wanted to share it with y'all so that I could get some feedback. So I appreciate any thoughts and suggestions you have on this episode. And you can contact me with those thoughts and suggestions on Twitter or Instagram. For my next episode, I will be sharing my thoughts on a few of my favorite Christmas episodes from black sitcoms. But until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I'll see you next time.